Welcome to the Hardware Asylum Podcast Extras. In this episode, we talk about our beta experiences with Titanfall and Elder Scrolls Online and look at, are pre-orders really worth it? I'm your host, Dennis Garcia, and with me today, I have Darren McCain. Dennis, I had the opportunity over the last month or so to get involved in a couple of different betas, which for me is kind of a unique experience. As you know, I don't usually have time to participate in betas, and I don't usually make them a high priority, but there were a couple of pretty hot games I was excited about. And uh, I think I got to play a couple of those too. Yeah. So I thought it might be fun to talk about those a little bit and just talk about the beta experience in general. Okay. Well, normally a beta, well... Was it like eight years ago or whatever? Mm-hmm. You know, quite a while in gaming terms. Beta games were the free version of the full game that usually had a whole bunch of bugs and only limited areas or limited yeah, content. Li- yeah, li- well, limited areas, limited content, limited exposure because they only had their approved beta testers, but sometimes they'd leak it on the internet. Right. So it makes me feel a little bit old because it seems like lately the model's gone more in favor of pre-orders and everybody getting involved in the beta and you know even google sometimes the betas don't seem to ever end no well betas are also a little bit well they're treated differently now yes they are and a lot of times the beta is more of a pre-release than really what would be traditionally called a beta yeah well what is it battlefield 3 came out that they didn't really beta test the servers and then when the game launched they had server problems. Electronic Arts lately has kind of gotten a really fantastic reputation for just blowing a product release as badly as possible. Yeah, well, SimCity comes to mind. SimCity definitely comes to mind. Battlefield was very bad, both in 3 and in 4. Right. 3, and they even beta tested 3 because we were in the alpha and the beta. Right. But they still didn't have server capacity to handle everybody. So historically, it was kind of an honor to be chosen to be in a beta and an even bigger honor to make the small circle that was in an alpha. And these days, you can kind of buy your way in. But the nice advantage is that you can get into a lot more betas and do a bit of a try before you buy, which leads me to the two games that we had gotten an opportunity to play. And the first, of course, was Titanfall. Titanfall, a very fun game. I'm going to say it's... The game mechanics in that game are probably going to leak into every other game genre similar to. So Titanfall is out now. Yeah, we should preface that when we record this, Titanfall has been out for a week and a half now, right? Yeah. And both of us got into the beta. Right. We never got to play on the same server because we didn't play at the same time. But (laughs) I got to get in a couple of hours, and um, I think you got about the same amount of time, right? So the beta had a level cap of 19, if I remember correctly, and no, 14. Yes, 14. 14. And it had three uh, play styles and two maps, if I remember correctly. Yeah, three play styles, two maps, and I want to say there was only two character classes and one Titan class. Yeah, you could get around that a little bit with the game mechanic called Burn Cards, but uh, not to get too deeply into the mechanics. But the Titanfall beta was unique in that it was essentially fully playable with the exception of that level cap. And like all games seem to be lately, Titanfall had unlockable content as you leveled up. In this case, you didn't choose your path like the RPG style. It just unlocked as you go. Well, it was was level-based. 
Well, not level-based, but like game-based, kind of like Counter-Strike. All right. Very similar Counter-Strike. So you would set your loadout, you get dumped into the game, and then based off of your performance in the game, you could drop your Titan. And then at that point, you would be in a mech, and you try to shoot the people on the ground, and sometimes it didn't work, but you could walk over them and squish them. (laughs) So there was a balance. I found that there was a balance issue with some of the different weapons, weapon types. So if you've been living in a cave, a little bit about Titanfall in general, this is a game that was developed by a fairly new and relatively independent studio. And in short, what they've done is they've built a game where you have a multiplayer field that is only six players on six players at the max, but it populates the battlefield, which feels eh, a little constrained sometimes in size, but they fill it with a lot of NPC-style characters, and they show up in a couple of different skill levels, and they're basically cannon fodder, whereas the player characters, up to six-on-six, can fight it out in your regular first-person shooter with a really nice dose of parkour effects in it and also jetpack effects. Mm -hmm. So you got kind of the trifecta of three play styles, the standard infantry and those two. And then you can also call down your Titan, which suddenly turns it into a mech warrior style game. So you have two different levels of play happening at the same time. Right. And they balance the mechs by allowing the player to jump on the mech and actually take it down really quickly, which is, it has its pluses and minuses really. Well, and unique also was the ability for you to, even after you summoned your mech, which is based on time, which could be added or subtracted to based on how well you're playing in the game. But your mech did not require you to pilot it. It could work by itself autonomously, Mm -hmm. either in a defensive mode or following you around. So it was kind of like having your big giant NPC tank buddy if you wanted it to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, it could also be a distraction so that you could go around and take down other Titans. Very much so. And the free-running aspect of the game allowed... Well, let's compare it to to Call of Duty, for instance. Okay. So if you are in, like, COD 4, there was a lot of um, guerrilla-style maps. So you were working in a city. And as you're running down a hallway, people can set up claymores and actually take you out as you're going around the corner trying to protect a sniper or something like that. Well, with this, you can also run across the side of the wall. So if somebody sets up claymore, you can run past it over it, not trip the claymore, and get to your target. Or if there's people waiting around a corner, you can jump, jump, and then go up to the next level, drop down, and get them from behind. So there's really nowhere to hide. So they kind of they defeat the camping aspect that a lot of people like in first-person shooters in such a way that by allowing you to use three levels of or three sides of the map as you're walking down a hallway or jumping across buildings or something like that. Now, of course, this is just a first impression based on the beta. Dennis and I are both on the fence really about buying the actual production game. And that's a difficult to describe position. I don't know. What would you say is holding you back from a purchase on, on Titanfall? The fact that it doesn't have a single player aspect to the game. Right. And I know that's very important to you because you tend to play in, in more of a solo mindset. Right. Well, the even Unreal Tournament 3, for instance, it had it was multiplayer only. And it was really just to show off the game engine, but there was a single player aspect that was kind of a trainer. So we'd go through every one of the maps and you get to play against NPCs. Mm-hmm. And if you got really, you could set the difficulty on the bots and how many bots were in there. So you could, 
train your difficulty level if you want. Well, now to be fair, a lot of really good first-person shooters like Call of Duty Ghosts, the latest version, and Battlefield 4 have single-player campaigns, Mm -hmm. and the end result is both games have been widely panned for having really bad or really short single-player campaigns. Right. I posted a news thing on uh, HardwareAsylum.com that was somebody had asked Respawn why there wasn't a single-player campaign in Titanfall. Mm -hmm. And the long and the short of it is based off of people not playing the single-player campaign. Well, and to be fair... A lot of people, especially in Call of Duty Ghosts, which is probably the more one-to-one or apples-to-apples comparison with Titanfall from a gameplay style, Mm -hmm. they didn't play it at all or will play through it once to get the unlocks and then never come back to it. Right. One of the other complaints is that, and this is a complaint that I have, is that the single-player campaign doesn't match the multiplayer and that it's very short. It's also very on rails. I think I mentioned in a previous podcast how I was playing um, a single player and I ran across a, a ravine and there was a key point in there that would, the, uh, the bridge would break. Right. Well, I was past the bridge break, but since that had to be in the game, it kicked me back to the other (laughs) side. And then I had one of the NPCs go and grab me. Ah, yes. I remember now. I think that was, uh, it was black ops, I believe. And I've played through the Battlefield 4 single player, and I'm in the minority in that I enjoyed it for what it was, which was a fairly short but at least entertaining storyline. And to be fair, the attraction for me to play it was there were unlockable weapons in it, and one of them is the P90, which has always been a gun I thought was fun to play. Mm -hmm. So they won me over with that little cherry. (laughs) Well, according to Respawn, they... When they do a multiplayer and a single player into a single game, they have to dedicate resources to a single player portion of it. So it's mm-hmm. like these people create the single player aspect of the game. These people are working on the multiplayer and they're supposedly meeting in the middle to, to meet their deadline. Mm-hmm. Well, Respawn is a fairly small development company. They have like 60 developers and they spent all their time on the multiplayer getting that dialed in and perfect with the assumption that nobody's going to play a single player, so why bother spending money to put it in there? Yeah, and it did have at least a decent training mode, which sort of makes up for that a little bit. I enjoyed playing it a little bit, but to me it felt, well, it felt like Call of Duty with mechs. Yeah, or MechWarrior. Uh-huh. And I enjoyed MechWarrior too. So it kind of, I don't know, it wasn't enough for me. Yeah, so really the... We mentioned that, or I mentioned that the the thing that's holding me back is the fact that it doesn't have a single player. So right. I, I really wouldn't get a lot of gameplay into it. Mm-hmm. But also the fact that it's 60 bucks for a multiplayer-only game. Yes, and in fact, that's what has slowed me down. I enjoyed the beta, but I didn't really feel like it was a good $60 replacement. And I'm a PlayStation 4 player, so maybe as a future console buy, because as soon as the Microsoft money runs out, of course, the PlayStation 4 version is coming. And the rumor is it's a 12-month delay release. But the reality is I just didn't feel like I didn't already have what I liked about that game in other games that I play now. And Battlefield 4 is a good example. Yeah. They also had a uh, a collectible edition of Titanfall. Ooh, yes. And the sad the sad portion of it is that I almost bought it, you know, because yeah. it comes with an 18-inch Titan, you know, 300 parts, fully movable, 
with uh, blinking lights and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, that is sexy. Yeah. And it comes with a, a, a art book that's like 250 pages and then a, a full blueprint of a Titan, I believe, plus the game. Mm-hmm. But you don't get the season pass, so you won't get DLC content. And it was 250 bucks. Holy cow. Yeah, which, you know, for a game that I know that I'm probably not going to play and I only want it for the stupid Titan, um, I'm still not going to get it, I don't think. Well, have you purchased uh, those limited edition packages before? Because I know that fairly regularly I drool over them, but in the end, price is usually what scares me away. I think the last one that I got was the cool Fallout 3 lunchbox edition. Oh, nice. The Let's see. Special editions. I don't think these actually count as special editions, but I would buy the tin box of all the id games. Nice. So when um, Wolfenstein... You know, the new one came out. It was in a tin box, so I spent extra to get the tin box of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a tin box of Quake 2 or Quake 3, one of the two. I, it's collectible, so it's <laughs> tucked away. There you um, go. And then I see I bought the Half-Life 2 that uh, came with the T-shirt. I think it's still shrink-wrapped, so I could probably get a few bucks for oh, that yeah. on eBay. Like new. Uh, yeah, like new. And then, um, let's see, what was the last one that I bought that was like that? Um well, there was another game that it came with, um, like an expansion pack if you bought it, but then you could buy the expansion pack separate. So it wasn't really collectible. So I just mentioned, I bought the fallout three special lunchbox edition and I really liked it with the bobblehead and the art book and the lunch pail. Pretty cool stuff. Yeah. But when I moved to my PlayStation four, it was one of the games that I took down to get a quote from my local used seller. And truth be told is they told me that it was probably worth about $50. Whoa. But if I were patient, I could maybe get as much as 100 on the open market. And I just couldn't get rid of it because even though I don't play the game anymore, the intrinsic value of this thing that I think I paid $100 for, maybe $110, not, I mean, not as expensive as some of these sets, mm-hmm. uh, was just higher for me. And I wonder if that's true for a lot of folks. Yeah. It, in fact, that reminds me, just a few, well middle of last year, Games Radar put out a pretty rockin' article, and they've put out a couple cents on some of the more expensive collector sets out there. Oh, yeah, you showed me that article. There was, um, what was it? It was the, um, well, your Fallout game was yeah. in there, and I think it sold on eBay for 280 if it was still in a sealed box. Right. There was one, uh, oh, it was the Aliens, AVP. Oh, yeah. Came with the face hugger, and um, that one held its value really well, because... Mm-hmm open they were saying it was going for 100 bucks but if it was sealed it would go for 170 so this is a great article and we'll put a link to it in the show notes that talks about maybe the top 15 or so ones out there and what you find is most of them hover in the 100 to 200 dollar range if they have really good content assassin's creed for example with the assassin statue and i'm sure that you're going to see the same thing happen with this uh, wonderful titan set is it'll probably hover around 250 range because it's a little more expensive from the get-go yeah well ebay versions of the sealed box um we're going for 650 on ebay mm-hmm. after it was announced that it was sold out on the ea website so well and to be fair it's new so it's going to spike but there are some games out there on that list that are very surprising because the game itself sold for maybe 150 dollars, like chrono trigger or some of these bayonetas and stuff. I mean, not even really popular games, Mm -hmm. but that actually has increased the value because 
less people bought the collector's edition because the game itself didn't do so well. Right. And ironically, there are a few on the list that I won't spoil for you <laughs> that go up into the $3,000 plus range. And you're just like, what is this game? <laughs> well, it, this isn't really a collector's edition, but I did buy the um, Elder Scrolls Legendary Edition. I think it's called Legendary Edition. It's the one that came with all of the Elder Scrolls games oh, plus right. uh, all the DLC. So I got uh, Skyrim plus the, all the DLCs for that. I got Oblivion plus the 12 million DLCs that it came with and then the original Morrowind. And that reminds me that another beta game that came out that you invited me to play oh, yeah. was Elder Scrolls Online. Yeah, and that's a really great point. Elder Scrolls Online is kind of one of those holy grails for me. I've spent an amazing amount of time playing in the different Elder Scrolls-related games. I started, I think, with Morrowind is when I really got serious, and the Fallout games, of course, which are spiritual. You know, Yeah, they're predecessors. Eh, it might as well be. It's the same engine. And, of course, Elder Scrolls Oblivion was probably my favorite, and now Skyrim. Yeah, I have, what, 300, almost 400 hours into Skyrim? Yeah. And I was really excited when they announced Elder Scrolls Online, but not being an MMO-style player... I wasn't really sure what to expect. Well, Elder Scrolls Online is a different animal because, of course, it's designed to be an online-only, persistent uh, multiplayer online. I don't know if you'd say it's a, an MMO RPG per se because it's, yeah, it's, it's more of a first-person action fantasy like you'd expect if you've played any of those games that we've mentioned. Yeah, so um should probably go into like what our impressions were. Yeah, let's talk about that. We've talked a little bit about titanfall which is of course a completely different animal and ultimately probably will end up being something that we both pick up yeah, well, <laughs> when the price is right right but well, yeah and so i went into elder scrolls online i didn't sign up for the beta like you did but you got an invite key yes, so i got invite to, your friends yeah invite your friends to play so that we can sucker them into buying the game too so i jumped into the game and immediately i was i had a preconceived notion i should say oh okay i was expecting a multiplayer version of Skyrim, oh. which is I, what I thought Skyrim was missing was like um, a four person rating. So you could actually play the game with your friends and stuff. Yeah, I could see that a little ramping difficulty and maybe split screen or remote network play for a party. Yeah, Dungeons some, and Dragons style, right? Yeah, something like that. I thought that would be an awesome addition to Skyrim itself. And admittedly, I didn't play Oblivion. So Skyrim was my first um, exposure to the Elder Scrolls right. world. Now, I also did a little bit of modding with Skyrim, so I got to see some of the add-ons that people added. Oh, yeah. And so you'd have enhanced menus and stuff like that. And that's actually been attracting me back to it. If you watch, you can get Skyrim very cheap through Steam. And I've seen it under $10 for the full package, which is phenomenal. Yeah, well, that's a lot less than the legendary one I just bought. But but you got everything. I did. I got everything. And, well, two versions of Skyrim now. So And physical copy, which... Let's oh. face it, it's a completely different animal. Oh, yeah. Well, you get the map, which is nice. So it shows how all the worlds go together. So, But getting into the game, um, I recognize some of the menus as being the advanced menus that you could install for Skyrim. Oh. But to me, they were somewhat confusing because you really needed to have a map of what the new layout was and how to use things. Sure. So as you get into the game, um, in like Skyrim, for instance, you could actually build your skills. So you could go to a forge and actually build a weapon like crafting yeah crafting well you can do crafting in elder scrolls online but the resources to get the stuff so you can craft is a lot more difficult to get 
Um, like you can go and uh, kill a wolf, for instance. Well, in Skyrim, you'd be able to get a skin off of that uh-huh. or off a of saber tooth or something like that. Well, in Elder Scrolls Online, they made it so like every fifth one you killed would give you a skin. So it's very random. But they are trying to increase the gameplay length because this is a multiplayer online. Right. And we've kind of hinted at this, but you're not just paying your $69.99 up front, but you're also playing a monthly fee for this one. This is not a free-to-play. Oh, yeah. It's a lot like WoW in terms of, like, the play model. Right. Pay model. So, but the... You know, when I got in, the, the mechanics were similar to Skyrim. So you did a lot of sword fighting or you do ranged fighting. Uh, difficulty ramped up based off of what, um, when you activated a mission. Uh-huh. The thing that I noticed that was really annoying for me was that um, it's a multi-user sort of situation. And everybody's on the same server for the most part. I would be going around activating a mission. And then I would see like five other people doing the same thing. So they would contact the same person and go off and do the, the, the same little mission. I could interact with those people. I could try to attack those people, but they were also doing the same quest. So it's like we could do the quest together or they could do it independently. Right. So like one of the quests was to go after, I'm going to call it a craggle, but it's, <laughs> you know, it was like a big bat thing in a cave. Um, so I would go in and activate it, and if I didn't hit the bat thing, I'd have to go and activate it again because to complete the oh, mission, I actually have to hit it. Because you weren't part of the combat that took it down, huh? Right. But um, when it went down, you could actually loot it. So you could get gold off of that. So you could sit there and just get gold all the time. And that sounds a lot like World of Warcraft or EverQuest yeah. or you name it. Yeah, so it's almost like there was too many people interacting to a point where you know you really needed to, if you wanted to do it as a story mode, you need to like amass your party into a guild or whatever, and then everybody goes onto the server at the same time without anybody else doing the same thing. So this is still in beta, or at least it was when we participated. I think it still is. Did you think that that might be just because of a restricted area and the limited amount of gameplay available? They're constricting everybody to the same area? or Yeah, that could be it. I mean, there was a, a training area, which is, you know, because you were <laughs> in Skyrim, you were actually a prisoner, and then you got released, right? Yeah. Well, this kind of works the same way. Very were, similar start. Yeah, very similar start. So you're in this big cave, and then you're fighting these, um, uh, what the tree people? I forget what they're called now. But um, they're like little guardians, so you could actually practice um, attacking them. And you could, I leveled up to level two just doing that. Right. Getting a few gold here and there, and then trying to figure out how to get out. Yeah, and you think you're thinking of the, there were dark elves, if I remember correctly. No, there were some dark elves. Some, some sort of elf. No, the sprigates or whatever those things are. Oh, no, that's right. I forgot about those. Yeah, but then there was like some dark elves and some, I don't know, there was all sorts of people that you could fight. So what's funny is I found the way out, and I couldn't activate the door. But as I was standing there, somebody else went up, activated the door, and got out. So I'm like, uh, okay, so I got to go actually go and do something. So I went right. and figured out how to, you know, activate the way out, which was to free the one dude. And yeah, I, I don't know if they're going to have that again, but. Well, it seems likely that um, the initial piece will stay the same. Now, how far did you play? How much time did you put into it? I want to say I got, I actually got discouraged and bored after an hour, no, two hours. So I put in two hours, which admittedly was not enough time to actually be able to play all the aspects that were in the beta. Mm -hmm. So I didn't give it a fair shake. So level. Level four. So I think I made it to level six. So I didn't get too much further than you, but I started doing the 
the beach things and and running off to do those things. And yeah, at some they, point, I realized that, yeah, I was going to have to grind a little bit if I wanted to be strong enough to move out of this area already. Yeah. And that's just standard MMO stuff. I mean, that's how you build your character. Um, I took a survey afterwards, you know, when the initial invite your friend beta was over. Right. I took a survey and I realized that I didn't even touch what was actually in there. But there was really no way for me to know that, oh, hey, you can actually do crafting and here's how you do it. Because there was no really tutorial on that. So I had a pretty major problem with the beta that I'm hoping they'll resolve. And that is that I was invited into a fairly early beta weekend and it took me, not a joke, two days to get the content down and updated. Oh my God. Yeah. That download is huge. (laughs) And the beta was over before I had a chance to play it. And and then a month later, second shot at it, I was more aware because I was on the mailing list. So I had pre-downloaded the content and because, you know, life gets in the way, I had a pretty good four hour ish playing session and then the beta was over again. Yeah. They only do betas for a little while, which it, I know that they're trying to test one aspect of the game during those betas, and they just really are looking for people to load up the servers and to test different things. Load testing? Yeah. Same thing that EA does with their servers, which sometimes works, sometimes doesn't. But, you know, that's the nature of betas. And I want to believe that they are taking some of the feedback from these surveys and putting those back into the game. Well, that makes sense. Yeah, the one thing that I complained about was I didn't understand the menus. I didn't understand how to craft things. I didn't understand how gilding works, you know, how to actually get people together. So hopefully that will be, I don't know, maybe there's a wiki out there that I didn't see, but when you open this thing up to a beta, you should also give people the tools to know what they're doing and what they're supposed to be testing. So you did see that there's a pretty impressive, I think it's called Legendary Edition version of Elder Scrolls that you can buy in advance. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. And uh, its biggest carrot was... I think you could play as an Imperial, so a completely new character type that's only available for pre-orders. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, there was a lot of games like that. Was it Sony ones? Um, what was that one that you played? It was that space one where you could, it was free to play, but you could like buy different things that made it. Oh, over- planet side. Yeah. So you could buy super massive weapons. And so basically it was like, you were as powerful as your pockets were deep. <laughs> Cheap mode. Yeah. Buy everything. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, even Facebook games that are free to play, you get to a certain point in that game where you start have to pay to actually advance, or you're just sitting mm-hmm. there grinding over and over and over again. And then there's certain things that you can't do unless you pay. So it's the new free to pay model. And I'm going to say that with Elder Scrolls Online being a monthly fee, you're going to get that same thing. So to buy? No, no. I'm. I'm not an MMO style player. You know, I never bought into the whole wow thing. Somebody tried to get me into Eve online. I'm like, no, it's just not my style of game. And I, when I play a game, I want to sit down and actually relax, which is one thing I kind of liked about Borderlands because it was fun to play. It was engaging, but I could sit down and only play for an hour. I could play for 10 minutes or I could play for eight hours if I wanted. And it had a definite start and an end point. And I could play with friends if I wanted to, or I could play by myself. So I am a no-buy also, but not because I didn't think it had great potential, and it really is beautiful, but because I just can't make myself pay 15 bucks a month if that's what it ends up being. Yeah. Well, Even five a month, really, when there are so many really great games that I can play without that. 
Yeah. Well, unfortunately, I'm going to say there's probably some diehards that will pay that. And they're probably also the ones that are paying for a WoW account and paying for an EVE Online account. Well, it's a proven business model, so somebody's doing it. Yeah. So let's recap. Titanfall for me is a wait and see. And yeah. for you? Probably not unless somebody really edges me into getting it. Uh, although, admittedly, I will probably buy it, but I may never, ever play it. Yeah, I think for me, the barrier of entry is about $30, probably. Yeah, give it six months, and it'll be down to that. And then Elder Scrolls Oblivion, I think we're both a no-go. Yeah, unless, you know, I'm going to play offline in Skyrim. I might actually get into Oblivion and figure out how to play that game, but um, I'm going to say there's probably some more games that are coming out later that um, that might actually have my attention more. And special editions and collectibles. You know, I, I'm kind of kicking myself for not getting the Titanfall one. <laughs> yeah, it's still there. You know, it, it's the figure. But I don't want to pay 250 bucks for a figure, nor do I want to pay $650 after the fact. So, uh-huh. Well, you never know. It could be that one that goes up over three grand if you never open it, of course. Yeah, well, if I never play the game, I'm never going to open it, right? So we'll see if we have to eat our words on either one of these games. I enjoyed Titanfall. So we'll see. Yeah, I liked it too. Just not enough to play. For more information on the topics discussed in this podcast, please consult our show notes on HardwareAsylum.com. Stay up to date on the latest at Hardware Asylum by subscribing to our RSS, now available on iTunes. Join us on Facebook or follow us on Google. This has been an Agent Lane production, copyright 2014. Thanks for listening.